What's up, guys? Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we'll cover the topics most important to you, from marketing and selling your products to winning on social media and everything in between. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host, John Malecki, runs a full-time furniture company and its content site, JohnMalecki.com. Over the past few years, we've seen the value of bouncing ideas back and forth, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 23. Today, we're going to be talking about video production basics. We've got a lot of people wanting to get started making videos, but they still have a lot of questions. So we're going to be talking about our gear, pre-production planning, the filming and post-production work. We're going to share some experiences and our tips. We're going to help you get your video game rolling. What is up, John? Uh, not much, man. Super pumped to be back at it with another show. Took a little break there for the holidays and some travel, but I am ready to rock, uh, right hooking this right in the face. Always in the face. Yes. <laughs> Before we start hooking things in the face, uh, we want to make sure we uh, thank our new patrons that joined over the MFP tribe while we were gone. So we had a nice little list here over the break, and those folks did get to enjoy some of the after shows uh, that we still did produce while we were on break. But we had Johnny Himberg, Infinite Craftsman, Brandon Cullum, Claire Baldwin, Brock Jurgensen, Ed Gonzalez, Phil Kaplinger, James Cunningham, James Shadbolt, and Matthew Green. Thank you so much, guys. They're, they get to enjoy some... Uh, cool rewards like the after show. You can go check that out at patreon.com forward slash made for profit if you would like to join and be a part of the MFP tribe. All right, man. So what have you been doing? I mean, it's been a, it's been a while. Like I can't really. Do we need to take the whole show to, yeah, to see so what you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, um, most of most of our tribe members are following us both on Instagram. So they got to catch up with us as we traveled down to. Um, where were we? Austin, Texas for Stafta. You know, we got, yes. just got back from there. Um, we have Thanksgiving coming up two days from after we record this, you know, which is cool. Um, as far as shop stuff goes, man, I got finally catching up on some video. I got my dust collection video coming out. Um, I'm, I've been working on that. I've got a, uh, a barn door out of reclaimed wood from that barn I tore down this this fall. Um, oh, that yeah. should be pretty sweet. Finally got the glass in on my river table, which was a, <laughs> an astronomical <laughs> feat in itself. And I'm, I yes. sweat every time I talk about it. But um, besides the shop projects, you know, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving Buck a few days off in the shop. So I'm going to be catching up on a lot of the content stuff from the past few, few months, I guess you could say, um, since I've been behind there. And, and I'm really looking forward to a, a little bit of a, uh, a break from being straight in the shop. I got an, a brand new office set up in my shop. So I'm, I'm getting my whole process, um, ready to roll going into 2018 and then, uh, you know, wrapping up Q4 here as most of us are doing. Um, yeah. So yeah. Whew, that's, that's what I got going on. What about, what about yourself? Yeah, dude, that I am stoked to see that river table you're doing because it's oh. got that little you know well, I won't even spoil it but it's got that little feature I've not seen in, in many others I think it's going to be really really yeah. cool um, yeah so exactly what you said Q4 man I've, I've been just head down trying to get stuff done for the end of the year um, did put that put out a few videos since last time we talked I think uh, did the five ways to print on wood that one was kind of fun to show uh, some different methods to, to get your logos and things on wood uh, just released uh, the DIY bed storage the day before we record this 
our DIY bed with storage that I made for my daughter. She is totally stoked, uh, which is the best payment. Big, big smiles and hugs and kisses from my daughter. Always Aww. a good thing. I know Aww. it's adorable. Uh, and and then I'm going to be working on some a couple different things. Uh, second part in the series of the Alf Sharp video, uh, the yes. the master woodworker that I interviewed. That'll be coming out as well as uh, a turning video, so a beginner's turning projects. So oh, wow. I think that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff on the plate. Like I said, trying to round out the year. So man, buckle. Yeah, I, I'm not taking a break. I am like grinding my face into the keyboard and the workbench. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's a. It always. I feel like it always ends up in the last quarter of the year where you're playing catch up. Uh, and and <laughs> yes. it's funny because you can do as much planning as you can to get to that point, but it, it's just such a hectic time. Holidays catch up to you. You know, uh, people taking breaks. What a lot of yep. it I feel like happens is the other people that influence your time they're on break, you know, like I'll pick up yes. Thursday morning before Thanksgiving, but no one else is working. So I can't go get materials. I can't do anything. Um, and those are the kind of days where, where you really are like, crap, right. <laughs> I have a day here, but the rest of America doesn't. But the rest now, of America now doesn't. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I got some travel uh, coming up where we're going to be going mm-hmm. visiting some family that didn't necessarily account for. The bed took about two weeks longer than I thought it would. So, but I think this really uh, dovetails well into the episode because one of the things I think also that uh, I can always get better at, but I've been trying to make some headway, uh, is the video side of it. And so, you know, today talking about video production basics, um, you know, back in uh, episode 14, we talked about getting started on YouTube. So we're not going to talk about YouTube per se and uploading your videos and all the things you need to do to get it seen and tagged and all that good stuff we're going to talk about the actual down and dirty um of just literally from start to end of filming and producing a video uh and then obviously you can take that and use it wherever um youtube would obviously be a great place to put it but uh we're going to really focus in on the basics because some of this stuff is uh can really also be a huge time suck if you're if you're not careful and mm-hmm. i've been there from experience so we'll, we'll talk about that but yeah i think right john we we're gonna just hit on um you know those four basic things is is gear pre-production shooting and post-production so why don't we start with gear and i, I think uh it's kind of been fun to watch you john i know uh you went to the youtube next up thing where uh that little training course up there for a week with youtube which was awesome and coming out of that you were like dude gear like before that you were like yeah whatever you were rocking whatever the t yeah the t3 or t5 and uh and then you you really upped your game so why don't you kick us off talking about gear so um the first piece of gear most people are going to focus on i think is is it exactly what you just said is, is going to be the camera um a lot of us are going to be hesitant to get started doing video production solely because we feel like we don't have the the capabilities when it comes to gear and i really think that in today's day and age with technology especially in handheld cell phones and point and shoots um you know that learning curve kind of is no longer there um i got started on a t3i because i bought the the camera to, to shoot uh, photos of my work in order to sell it. Um, so I had the camera. That's why I got started there. But I, I really do feel like the new iPhones and the Galaxy Note and all the all the amazing improvements on cell phones can really, really um, get you started in video production. But um, starting out with gear, you know, you're going to have your your basics. Um, first level is going to be that cell phone. I think um, yeah. a lot of us are a lot of us are shooting with DSLRs and, and 4K, you know, 
full frame, blah, blah, and all this crazy stuff now. Um, but you can get your video production rocking and rolling with your cell phone and really put out some high quality stuff. Um, so, you know, first thing you want to do is consider what type of phone you have. And, and one thing I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to the phone that they're shooting with is your case. Um, if you have a case that covers the lens cap, it's typically going to be filthy. Sorry, you could be the cleanest person on the planet, but that <laughs> is something that happens to all of us, and it puts like a haze on your on your content. I notice a lot of it when we do um, our Instagram reviews. We do Instagram reviews for all of our top tier and middle tier patrons, and um, when we do that, I see a lot of people hesitating to put video out there, and anyone that does, you can kind of see the fact that they have a cell phone case on there. So um, one thing I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say to start out with your gear is if you're shooting on a cell phone, um, Clean your lens and make sure that if you have a case that covers the lens that you are taking that into consideration and either removing the case and being extremely careful with the phone or making sure that it's extremely clean. Um, one thing to get a nice high quality uh, you know, shot is to make sure first off that, that there's nothing obstructing the lens, um, especially when it comes to cell phone because they're so little. You know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta oh, yeah. give, it, give it the best chance you can to go out there and win for you. Um, so, you know, starting out, um, cameras on your cell phone they're great i shot a bunch of uh of cutting board videos yesterday on my phone which i'm pretty excited for i just got the iphone x so i'm kind of trying to learn if i can actually do anything production wise with the phone um which i'm sure i can it's just going to be me yeah beating my head on the, on the, on the table <laughs> to learn it uh right but we're gonna call you mr fancy pants now yeah the, uh, the, yes. the brand new iphone which is awesome and i know we were talking about down in staff to the um the new pixel 2 uh, which I believe is the Google phone um, for the Android so, side. Those the cameras in those are. Ju- I mean, they're literally amazing. Yeah. amazing. Like th- those would blow a T3i out of the water. And and so like you know one of the other things too, just jumping in on the the phone side is is absolutely about the cleaning because I find that whenever I do stories, um, I always find like man, why is this so like hazy? And what you'll typically see is like especially around light, it'll just be like all diffused and and everything mm-hmm. will be fuzzy around the edges is just clean that off with your shirt and then boom it's back um but make sure you're going into your settings too especially in some of these older phones i know with uh the iphone it's pretty much set and forget but uh if you have a an android phone make sure you're checking because there are settings for both the front facing and uh main camera uh and video you can go in there so what you'll want to do when you're recording on that video uh footage from the uh, cell phone is make sure you're recording in the highest available um, resolution right so 1080p would really kind of be uh, what i would call a the best place to be i mean a lot of these phones the brand new ones are going to have some 4k but you know a lot of phones have the 1080p and that's that's all i shoot in so that's a great way but just make sure you're going as high as you can and storage might be an issue right so you might have to shoot in segments and offload that can kind of be that's kind of the downside right of, of shooting with a phone if you don't have an external card that you can take out uh that you know that limits what you can do yes and then the next part after your settings are, are set to shoot in the highest resolution possible is you're going to want to um, look at your frame rate um, one thing that i know iphones have is the option to use i think it's just say it's 24 i think it's like 23.97 frames per second right brad yep. um or or 30 or 60 right so yeah. I don't know if the 30 is correct, but just work with yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's 30, yeah. 29.972. Yeah. I don't know why they do that, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So um, what, what, what you're running into here is, uh, and now correct me if I'm wrong, is the amount of uh, – the, the ability to, I guess, slow down or speed, uh, speed up 
the shot that you're taking. If you want to be shooting things in slow motion, you want to be considering your frame rate um, because the more frames you have, the better it's going to look as it's slowed down. Um, you know, you got a lot of those. <laughs> I was really fortunate to shoot on what's called a red um, camera oh. up, up at up at YouTube, and I think that yeah. that thing has a ridiculous frame rate, and you're shooting like 240 frames per second or something insane, and um, you're getting stuff so slow you didn't even know it was humanly impossible to like visualize it, um, but. <laughs> But if you're even I know myself and I know most iPhones, especially after like the six or six plus, you can shoot in 60 frames per second, which gives you that opportunity to slow stuff down as you go back into the editing and where you can get something, you know, like really cool, dramatic, uh, lengthened shots. So go into your settings. You know, you want to adjust to make sure you're shooting in the highest resolution possible, as well as adjusting your frames per second. I know, Brad, you edit specifically in 60 frames per second, right? Just because you like that one to one ratio with the seconds in a minute. Uh, 30 actually yeah so I, I do in i do in 30 frames per second and so same thing right so it's two to one so and if you guys don't know what we're talking about no <clears throat> this is obviously going to be a little bit of a, a technical episode so we'll try to break it down as much as we can uh, but this is a good concept because this took me a long time i couldn't figure out what was going on uh when i was editing my videos uh i was looking at the videos and i was editing them and like i was looking at it and i was like okay i'm at 20 seconds like i'm at a minute and 20 seconds and then uh or, or a second to 20 seconds, like or 20 hundredths of a second, I guess is what I thought it was. And then it would like go to 28, 29, and then it would go like to zero. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I was like, oh, those aren't like hundredths of a second. Those are frames. So when you think about a frame, uh, a frame is basically a still picture. And that's mm -hmm. how video cameras work is that they take a series of still pictures and stitch them together like in a flip book. So if you imagine that, the more pages in a flip book, uh, if you're, you know, if you're thumbing through the flip book at the same speed, the more pictures, you, the more pages you have in there, the faster those pages are going, the more detail you can put in. So that's the similar idea. Um, so, yes, I, I do shoot in 30. I know a lot of people shoot in 24. If you shoot in 24, that's also going to help you reduce in file size. So if you are on a cell yeah. phone you and you're not going to be doing uh, slow motion, then I would say, you know, go down to 24. Don't don't do 60 because like that's literally going to be twice the file size if you go to 60 because it is taking twice as many pictures. I shoot in 60 almost in everything, but I do have the capability of having five cards. You know, I'm dropping them, um, dumping them, unloading and deleting uh, stuff that I don't need. But I shoot in 60 just in case because I am lazy. So <laughs> if I want to slow something down, I don't want to be like, oh, crap, I shot this in 24. Right. Or I don't have the, you know, it looks like really choppy and, and, and like poop. Um, so it's just yeah, one and thing I don't have 60. I don't have oh, my camera doesn't. So you have the ADD, right? So the, the right. Canon ADD, which we'll get into the, the actual cameras here. But that's what John shoots on. I shoot on the 70D, which is the model before that. Uh, and it actually doesn't have the option to shoot at 60. So if I did have the option, I would use it, um, but I don't. And so my file size is a little slower. And I rarely, rarely ever slow anything down. I'm I'm typically going the other way and speeding up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's more on the technical side. So starting out, if you're shooting with your phone um, from a gear perspective, perspective. Um, those are two things you want to think about. And then I guess adapting them to the next stage, which would be your crop sensor DSLR uh, or point and shoot style shooting. Um, what this is going to come down to for most people is going to be price point. We all know that um, it's an investment. You have to understand that it's very hard because it's marketing dollars. You know, you're not going to have that immediate return unless you're a professional photographer um, where you know that you're going to be able to do a lot more and have a lot more, you know, options and capabilities with the camera itself. But 
you know, to go from cell phone to the, uh, you know, the, a digital camera of some sort, um, that's where you're going to get your, your next step in, in quality, at least as I think, um, and personally, you know, the cell phone's great to shoot on, but you are still limited. Even if you do have a pixel two or, a, or an iPhone X, um, you're still limited on a lot of what you're capable of doing with the camera because of the cameras. Um, not, it's just not built to do as much as a DSLR. So I started out, I was using a, a Canon T3i with a, with a 50 millimeter lens. Um, and so, so if you go back and look at my earlier videos and stuff, everything's super tight. You know, most of it's on my hands, most of it's, you know, uh, on what's going right. on you don't really get a lot of me in there. Um, and as I was evolving my content, I realized I wanted to have more full body and pan shots in there. So that's when I upgraded my camera. But to get started, you know, you want to upgrade the body first, um, and, and look at what you want to spend. So you're going to have two parts of the camera. You're going to have the glass, and then you're going to have the body itself. The glass is where your long-term investments are going to come from. Um, right. And the glass, any, AKA the lens. If you talk to any professional videographers and photographers, you know, that's where they're spending tens of thousands of dollars. Um, because the sensor in, in, in the body itself is something that is adaptable and the technology does change over the years, but it doesn't get ridiculously different between, you know, one to five years that you can't use the same, same body. So your next investment is going to be in that body. That being said, tons of options out there, right? Um, I mean, Brad and I are Canon guys. Um, we like to shoot with, with, with Canon platform, but I think Canon, um, Nikon and Sony are probably going to be your top three, but there's tons of great options out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, there are. And there's always new ones coming out. Um, I know the other one that a lot of people do use is the Panasonic, right? The GH4 yeah, yeah. and the uh, That's straight it, G, video. G85. Yeah. And so when you look in the, the new GH5 now as well. But yeah, there's lots of, of great options. And, um, you know, without getting you guys in over your heads, of, for those who are not familiar with the cameras, um, the main thing you want to look at when you're looking at a camera, and you can go out, there's lots of great websites out there for video editing and, and recommendations. Uh, you just want to look and see, you know, does it do 1080p and, you know, what frames does it do? Because, um, you know, basically they'll have video or they're not. But one of the things to look out for on cameras, and I know we, we kind of have this conversation too, John, is that the thing, the nice thing about the Canons that John and I both like, and you can get around this in different ways, but is it has a flip screen. So it has a rotating, you know, articulating screen that you can actually rotate from the back of the camera, uh, the LCD screen, which is about, you know, two and a half or three inches. And so you can frame your shot from the front instead of being behind it and then framing it, then stepping into it. And that uh, helps when you're trying to do a full frame shot, like John mentioned, a full body shot. Um, I will quickly jump back. The thing about cell phones. Uh, so it's kind of different with cell phones and, and cameras. Uh, so if, so for a camera, a cell phone camera typically has a really um, small focal length, meaning it has a really wide shot. And like John mentioned, he started shooting on a 50 millimeter uh, for his camera, that's really tight. So you kind of, that's the back and forth. Uh, so again, you, you want to start off probably with a zoom lens because when you start off with a zoom lens, then you can get the wide shot, you can get the tight shot. Uh, and then like John mentioned, you know, that, that's where that upgrade comes in the lenses is, um, you know, if you want to get a macro lens, which is something that you would shoot really tight, uh, shots with that get a lot of detail and a lot of that depth of field, you can do that. You can basically get a lens for any specific thing that you want. So that's that's the beauty of the DSLR versus having a point and shoot or a cell phone where you're kind of just you got what you got and you have to make it work. 
Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the concept of the DSLR, it becomes, starts to become more modular. You know, you're able to do more with it and that's where you start to get a lot better production value. And that's what we're looking to do here. So you, um, once you, once you choose your body, you know, find something within your budget. There's a lot of great options out there. Um, dive into some research, you know, Brad and I will leave some of our favorite resources, um, for, for online, you know, kind of, uh, comparison type videos and content for you to see what type of uh, camera is going to fit you best. Um, But the things to consider is, you know, if you want to do video, like Brad said, with yourself in the shot, having that flip screen is huge. So think of things as far as usability, you know, how easy is the interface to learn? Can you flip the screen around? Um, Is the body style small enough or easy enough for you to manipulate and take where you need to go? Um, and, And start from there with your research. Some people use a point and shoot. What a point and shoot is, is um, it has what a zoom lens on it and you, uh, are unable to change that out. It's kind of like a next step up from the camera on your phone because you do have a little bit of variability, but you can't swap out, you know, uh, a zoom lens for a prime lens, which is where I was going to go next. Uh, if you think they're ready for it, Brad, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think we have dove so deep on cameras. I think we need to come up for air, but yeah. So point and shoot basically doesn't have interchangeable lenses, but um, I, I mean, there's just so much great information out there. I think we hit the basics. Why don't Why don't we move on to like you know what's the next thing? Because I think obviously the two most important things about a video are the visual presentation, and then the second would be the audio presentation, mm-hmm. right? So so audio and what I've heard and and I guess I, w- I would agree as well is that people are more. Um, you know, they're more lenient on video than they are on audio. So yes. getting really good audio is going to go further than having really good video and taking that next step. So, again, one of the downsides of a cell phone camera or a point and shoot is uh, you basically have onboard audio. So it's recording off of the little microphone on that unit. Um, so, you know, the first, that would be your step again. So t- I like this little taking it in steps, you know, that would be the entry level step. Um, the problem with that is that when you're shooting in a garage or a shop, like most of us are, you're going to get a ton of echo and it's going to not sound good. And then when you're further away, it's going to sound even worse. Uh, so, and then when you're up in the camera, it's going to sound really loud. It's going to sound soft and you're far away. Uh, so the first way to get around that, so your first upgrade from an audio perspective um, and, and I'll talk about the cell phone, the camera first would be doing something like recording. And this is what I did when I started is actually recording on my cell phone. So, you know, obviously you'd need another cell phone or if you had an iPod, um, but having s- some device that you can record audio onto, or I have a, a little zoom H one, which is a little audio recorder, anything you can record audio into and doing that through a, um, uh, through a lav mic, a, a lavalier mic is really your best option. Uh, you know, a little lav mic you can get for maybe 15 bucks and it plugs into the input of these uh, little Zoom H1s or obviously, you know, you can, I know some people use, I think Jay Bates actually had a little hack on how to use a, um, how to use like the the earbuds and use the microphone off that. So then you basically record onto your phone and then you sync that up when you're editing the video. So that way the sound is consistent no matter where you are in relationship to the camera. So that's that's kind of your first step in, in upgrading your audio is going into something third party. The nice thing about DSLRs is that you can then go straight into the camera and you can do that wired. And I know they make some microphones that have, you know, 25 foot cable so you can wire it and walk around. Um, to me, that sounds like a huge pain. I never went that route. Um, I went straight from going into the the 
audio recorder and then syncing in post-production to doing a wireless lav. Now that is like, you're not going to do that unless you're, you're really, really into this and you're making money off it because that is a, a major investment. But that would be kind of the, the top level would be a wireless uh, lavalier microphone. Uh, yeah. So you're going to have what Brad said, you know, step one on the cell phone recording, step two recording to the cell phone, cell phone, and then your options for uh, recording, you know, on site, I guess you could call it, there's going to be lavalier as, as Brad was just talking or what's called a boom mic, which yeah, is going yeah, to yeah. record Absolutely. more ambient noise and more of the noise that's going on in the space you're shooting. So, um, when you record on the, uh, uh, on the, on the onboard mic on your DSLR or on your cell phone, it's kind of the same concept as a boom mic. Um, it's just going to record what's happening in the room. Now, when you start upgrading to specific booms, what you're going to be able to do is point that audio recording in specific directions. And this was actually my first step into upgrading my audio output. Um, what I did was, uh, you know, and we're going to list a bunch of the gear that Brad and I both have. Um, we're, we actually have full full links for you guys to check out our gear. Um, and Brad's might not be ready, but I'll have mine if it isn't because um, he's traveling this week. But either way. You, uh, what you do is you, you just, it's a point, uh, directional microphone on top of your DSLR. Um, I shotgun shotgun mic, right? Yeah. Shotgun boom mic, you know what? Uh, so boom is a concept of hanging the mic in the area. You just put it on the camera and then it's considered, um, a shotgun and it looks like it's like a tube on top of your, on your camera. You can actually put it wherever you want. Um, but you upgrade to that. And then what you're able to do is get more directional quality, um, in, in your shots. And, and this is just small upgrades and that's a little cheaper than the lab. If you want to start out and record directly to the camera, you can get one good one, pretty decent one for like 70 bucks. Um, and you can get a pretty decent lab for like 70 bucks. So depending on what you're doing, if you're doing more voiceover stuff and you want, uh, to have your voice in it, you know, the lab is definitely a better option because it's on person and it's more directional to what's being said. The, um, the shotgun is going to have a, the opportunity to pull in more directional noise. Um, so say you're recording on your table saw, you want to get that saw blade cutting kind of noise, you know, that's going to be a great opportunity right. to use a shotgun mic. What the pros do is actually use both. So they're shooting with both a boom and a lav. That way they're getting the noise at the source and then they go into post-production, they split it up and blah, blah. This is all kind of technical stuff. But so, uh, you know, thinking in the three stages, you have onboard recording, you have a lavalier, and then you have your boom or shotgun style recording. Um, and you can upgrade in all three of those. The fourth option for increasing your sound quality is going to be outside of the camera itself. And that's getting into post-production. Um, and we'll get down there a little bit, but Brad and I do both record on, um, microphones designated for voiceover and this podcast as well. Um, and, and we'll have some more information in post-production for that, but you know, audio is definitely going to be that second thing, if not first thing that you should improve on. Um, once you get into video production, as Brad said, those statistics are real, you know, people and all of us are more likely to stop watching a video. If the sound quality is just terrible, um, compared to the, the audio, excuse me, compared to the visual. Um, you know, I, I, they told us at YouTube, I think it was almost close to 75% of people who are watching a video are more likely to click off of it in the first 40 seconds or something like that. If the audio is, is bad because wow. you know, that, that's, that's, um, that's a sensor, whatever you're, 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 you're the humans just don't like, it's just, we don't, do not like bad noise. Um, the humans, the humans, <laughs> the humans do not like this. So, so yeah. So when you're considering upgrading your gear, you know, first thing you want to think about, at least from our perspective and in our opinion, is that camera itself. Um, 
you think about upgrading to a DSLR, at least a body style first, and then your glass, and then audio as well. Um, they parallel if you want to get into this full time, but you know if you're taking it by steps, I went. I think I think going. I think you'll agree. Camera first, then audio. Um, you could definitely start to make drastic improvements on your video quality. <sighs> now that we're Brad and I are gearheads, by the way, if you guys didn't know, <laughs> this was like when I bought my new camera. It was a forty-minute phone conversation, and you know, Brad bought his a new lens and a new mic, and you know, we got hours and hours into this stuff. So, if you have any yes. questions or want any more information, feel free to hit us up DMs as well as uh, emails. But getting into the next part of it is going to be. Uh, an important important aspect, I think, of video production that a lot of us don't consider is going to be pre-production. Um, this is the like I think this is the biggest emphasis they had at YouTube Next Up was the pre-production phase of your videos is going to be what sets you up to either win or lose when it comes to producing quality content. Um, and and it's something that a lot of us don't consider because you just sort of like oh I'm going to make so such blah 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 and then set my camera up and watch me and it's like well yeah that's fine but if you want to win. You have to put the time in the planning that you put into the pr- uh, product that you're producing itself as well. Um, and this is really where uh, a lot of the pros are just crushing, <laughs> uh, crushing video production quality yeah. because they're putting because a ton it, of time into pre-production. Yeah, it's what makes you stand apart, right? And, and those thoughts, those – and so, you know, pre-production planning, I, I think – there's there's a lot that goes into it um and i think this you know you could also lump this into gear but one of the the most important things that of you know not of actual recording equipment right so not a camera not something audio is the lighting and we've talked about that right so that is probably going to be your number one pre-production planning thought is how is this lit how is this set up you know what does the environment look like and is it conducive to recording uh, does it have a lot of background noise? You know, what, what are all those things? And I think that uh, having a well lit, you know, we, I think we talked about this in a, in a episode before, but having a well lit scene and it, obviously it depends upon the mood, right? If you're trying to get, do some nice, you know, really dark mood and things that, that's different. I'm just talking about just a general, if you're in there and you're trying to show somebody something and it's not trying to be artistic, uh, that lighting plus that lighting is going to let you do a lot of different things. So if you do want to get something a little more moody, then you can adjust the lighting. Uh, but yes, having having good lighting uh, is just going to make everything better. So thinking about those things, that's where pre-production planning starts is you look, you're looking at, okay, where am I shooting? What are my environmental elements? Uh, and then you kind of go from there. Then you're like, okay, so how's this story going to work? All right, I'm, I'm making this table. Well, I'm going to be working on the table saw. I'm going to be you know doing this. I'm going to go in the joiner. I mean, going back to the the miter saw, I'm going to be doing some finishing. So as you go through that pre-production plan, you can start kind of thinking of of how it flows and how you want the video to look and feel. Uh, you know, do you want it to be uh, a lot of just full body shots and you working? Are you going to do it at high speed? So if if you're going to speed everything up, then you don't want to do a ton of camera angle movements because you know it's going to be real jittery. If you're if you're taking 30 seconds of a shot and then changing it to something else and then you speed up to 100x like you're you know it's gonna be manic um but if you're doing a lot of really tight shots like john was mentioning then that's when you can start getting and say okay i'm gonna shoot from over here on the right side i'm gonna get a full frame you know full shot then i'm gonna mid shot and then i'm gonna get a tight shot thinking through those things before you get started because once you get started and you're in the process you're not gonna think of those things right you're 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 just gonna be like doing what you're doing and then you're gonna get to the end and look at the video and go wow i just shot five minutes of me you know sanding in one position and i'm going to use three seconds of that (laughs) yeah so having a plan for it uh and and 
and uh, thinking about it beforehand does set you up to to win. Um, a lot of times, what I run into is because I have high ceilings is is bad lighting. You know, the back of my shop isn't as well lit as the front, and when I don't have the garage door open, the lighting's even worse. You know, natural light is is something that's great. Um, but it also works in the opposite side. I get a lot of shots that are blown out because there's so much light coming in the door too. So those are things you want to consider when you're shooting an angle um, and before you move your camera at all. Uh, the other parts are going to be uh, that go into pre-planning, at least from from our end as uh, YouTubers doing build videos, is clutter. Um, one thing you can prevent a lot in pre-planning is the clutter of your space. Um, so if you're if you're shooting wide-angle stuff that your whole body's in, um, you want to make sure you're considering the backdrop of what's happening. You don't want things to be distracting to what's going on in the video. Um, some, you know, a lot of the really, really good YouTubers are very good at making sure you're focusing on what they're doing and not what's going on in the background. Uh, Brad and I are constantly talking about in our thumbnails and in our shots, like, you know, is this distracting? Is that distracting? Like, what are you, are you focused on this? You know, how bad does that look? I send photographs and, and videos out to my professional photographer friends and same thing. They're like, see if you can crop this out, see if you can do this, blah, blah, blah. So those are things you could take into consideration in pre. Um, if you're going to be shooting a video that's really tight on your hands, it's not something you really have to worry about. But if you're going to be doing wider shots or pan shots or shots that have any type of um, backdrops in them that aren't what's just happening in, at, at the moment, uh, you want to consider what those things are. And, you know, is, is it disgusting in the background? Or is it going to be someone like looking there like, oh, my God, oh, my goodness, you have a, you have a pile of, you know, you know, pile of chopped up lumber behind you and there's like a, a dead animal in it. Or is it going to be, you know, your dog, your dog walking around and something distracting like that, taken away from what you're trying to do in the video. That stuff's cool, but there's a, that, that can all be fixed in the pre-planning stages. I think besides the shooting stuff itself, what also you want to consider is, um, if you're doing any type of intro, outro, voiceover or, or spots in the middle of your videos as well, this all goes into the pre-planning yeah. phase. Um, you know, I know I shoot my intro and outros um, after my builds now because one, it's easier and two, gives me the opportunity to uh, talk about things that happen during the build if they need to be done. But that's something that goes into my pre-production plan. Um, if that's something that's, you know, going into your flow, you can work that out before you even turn the camera on. And, and these are little things that save you time in the long run. I know for years you know, first year, I guess you could say, <laughs> I would just kind of run and gun with the, uh, with the, the pre and excuse me, without planning anything. And then I get the post and, you know, I don't like my intro because I would have loved to have talked about something that happened in the middle of the project, but I built through it and, you know, that could have right. been a cooler intro than it wasn't before. So if you're, you know, for instance, if you're taking a stack of old lumber and you're turning it into something, you need to have in your pre-production plan talking about that stack of, of stuff while it's still a stack before you cut it down and turn it into a dining table or something um, and show it in post. Those things become interesting, but they have to be done in pre-production. So think about that you know, before you turn your camera on. Absolutely. And I, I've found myself in that situation many times as well, John, where it's like uh, I get to it and I was like, oh, I totally wanted to get a shot like and the problem was is i thought about it but i didn't necessarily write it down and so i didn't remember it is like i want to get a shot of me uh you know taking the lumber out of my truck or, or doing whatever like something where it's like you can't go back and shoot that like you've nope. already made that first cut you're done um so if you really want you know if you're thinking about hey this would be a cool shot to introduce you know you have a shot list like i don't do this um and because I've, I've been doing a lot of my videos kind of a similar way, so I kind of got it down now, uh, and I would think about it. But if you really want to get that and you want to foolproof it, 
do a shot list. And, and honestly, like I probably need to do that. Like, hey, here, here are like three shots that I want to get and to just remember it when I'm doing uh, the actual filming. And even more so, I know we'll get to in, in the shooting is like the actual beauty shots. I am horrible about that. And I really need a shot list there because I always go back and I'm like, I totally forgot to take portrait shots. Like yeah. I, everything I have is in landscape. And then I had, then I have to hope that I had one wide enough that I can crop in and make it a portrait. Um, but yeah, so like planning ahead, doing that. Uh, but the same thing, like, you know, for that pre-production, for the, the planning of the beauty shots and, you know, what does the Instagram and the YouTube thumbnail going to look like is, is think about, uh, how that's going to work. Because if you want something that is more in process, Again, you're going to have to make sure you get that. So, um, you know, most of the projects, obviously, beauty shots are going to be the final product. But there might be something if you're doing a, a cool new technique where you're going to want to get some stills halfway through of you doing some really cool technique that, you know, once you've done it, you're done. Like if you want to get some shots of you welding and you don't want to just pull frames from the video, then you probably need to think about that and bring somebody in or set your timer up or whatever and stage some welding shots um, because, you know, it. it that's one thing I think that also separates is that uh, from a, just a YouTube thumbnail perspective uh, or even anywhere that you're getting a, a shot, taking a still, a still image. So basically doing a screen capture from the shot, um, you know, you're almost always going to be it's going to be not as good as if you set it up to do an actual picture. So so think about that. If you want to get some of those things along the way, um, it's always great to, to get some still photos along the way of the process. And we would obviously be telling you to do that anyway. So you can use that as your Instagram and social media content. Right. So, um, you know, we're talking about video here. But again, remember, as a content creator, as you're producing this content, you still have other places to go and you want to share the process like we always preach. So think about that during the pre-production. OK, hey, I want to make sure I get shots of, of welding. Oh, man, like the, the grain on this looks totally amazing. I definitely want to get some shots of this of it coming out of the planer or after I resaw it or whatever. Uh, and, and, you know. Clearly, you want some shots of the finishing. So make sure you stop and take some nice beauty shots uh, right after you put on that first coat of oil or get a, a specific video of that. And, you know, those are all things that are going to help you outside of the video. Uh, but while you're shooting it, you need to be thinking about it or you'll forget. Yeah. So a lot of this goes into to your plan for your video. So I know it kind of sounds redundant because we tell you to plan to do everything pretty much on this show, but it's because it works. I mean, if you have a plan before you go into something, you're more than likely going to succeed. Um, and that's something that both of us have been learning and adapting to our workflow, especially when it comes to video and content production. Um, so after, you know, after your pre-production process, this is going to be something that comes down to yourself. You know, you're going to just, you're going to discover what process works for you. You're going to discover a style that works for you. And after you get your, uh, your ducks in a row and ready to, you know, turn the camera on, the shooting becomes a whole nother monster. Um, one thing I will say is that when you get started and even now, it takes up a lot of time to shoot while you're working. Um, and, you know, it, and it can be something that becomes overbearing on your workflow. If you're trying to get product out there for clients, it's something I run into all the time. Shooting is a hassle. You know, it, it's something yeah. that moving the camera around and trying to get more dynamic am angles and, and, and having that process going, you know, a uh, card runs out or dumping cards, the audio on, but all the, all the little parts of it, um, it can kind of become very overbearing on your workflow. So consider that before you get into shooting and as well as you're developing your shot style. So, um, you know, first thing we want to talk about is, is kind of like styling your video from the beginning. Um, a lot of us, you know, hopped onto YouTube because, 
we wanted to help others and we really enjoyed putting ourselves out there and we saw other people doing it and thought it was cool. Well, those other people doing it have a lot of experience, <laughs> lots of experience. And a lot of us don't. Um, so you get started and you're just kind of running and gunning with that camera. And then you realize, you know, all you did was take video of your hands for four and a half hours and you're just <laughs> editing it and like, man, this doesn't look, <laughs> this looks very, it's, it's, cool, but it's boring because there's, there's no flow to it. It's not dynamic at all. There's no movement and doesn't right. have any feel. You're not taking the audience on a journey. So these are all things once you learn pre-production that you can, you can realize like, Oh man, I'm going to, you know, take lumber off my rack. I'm going to roll it and I'm going to get a shot of the wheel rolling by. And then I'm going to go over to my, you know, miter saw station and I'm going to get four, you know, chops on my miter saw stand and things like that. You can start to see how the, how the, how the flow of your video goes. So when it comes to shooting, one tip I would give is don't shoot the same thing all the time. You know, try to get yourself to shoot um, multiple angles of one thing happening or trying to shoot multiple distances from what's happening. Um, one thing I started early on and a buddy of mine that does professional video and photo told me was just go, you know, with, get a pattern. Go two tight shots, one wide shot, two tight shots, one wide shot, something like that. And get in a flow there and you'll start to see how your videos come together. So a little style tip. For my for my experience is do exactly that, you know, shoot tight, shoot wide, shoot wide, shoot tight, get a little flow to what you're doing. I mean, that'll help your videos feel a little bit more dynamic in, in the in the aspect of they're just not your hands the whole time. I watch some YouTubers and I get really bored with their videos now because it's just it's honestly just tool noise in their hands. And I'm like, guys, you have such a great opportunity to create a storyline here. And all you're doing is just show me your hands for 12 minutes straight. So I think yeah. that if you want to get that more, you know, uh, blah, 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 that higher production value, you'll watch pros shoot and you'll get like, you know, a pan shot of some scenery and then like a bush just wiggling in the wind. And then you'll get out to like, you know, something flying <laughs> overhead. There's a reason to that. You, you get, you get a feel for what's happening in the, in the scene and then like the tight aspect and the wider. And, um, so think of that when you're shooting. Yeah, we've all done everything that goes into the process of building a thousand times and it's not that cool. But you can make it look really cool <laughs> depending on your shot angles and your techniques that you're using while shooting. And they can really work to your advantage too. Um, I think one thing to consider too is the concept of B-roll. And I'll let Brad jump into this. A lot of us didn't really understand what B-roll is until you get started shooting. Yeah, and I'm totally with you on the thing. So I'll just take a minute to step back. Is that, you know, what <laughs> as I like to do, as uh, – you know, as we're going through here again, you know, don't get overwhelmed with all the stuff we're talking about. Uh, I, I think, you know, what we're talking about is the progression and we're talking about, uh, you know, where you can be. But that first video of you of 12 minutes of you sanding with just your hands, you know, and, and, and all from one shot. I mean, that's OK. Like that, that's the learning curve. So, you know, don't try to do it all. If you feel overwhelmed, you know, go as far as you feel comfortable with, but don't try to do it all. If it just feels too much and you forget, like definitely don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. Just like say, okay, you know, and, and just look at your videos because that's also the great thing we've, we've talked about before is being able to go and look at, uh, you know, some of your favorite YouTubers and, and go in. I would encourage you to go ahead and do it. Um, take your favorite YouTuber and you can go in and look at their videos and search by date or sort by date and then scroll all the way to the bottom and go watch their first one, their second one, their third one, see what they look like, then scroll the top, and then you'll see the differences. And these are the things that John's talking about. And, and that's absolutely one of those that um, that I have worked on since, you know, I don't, I, I think I've 
put out 30 or 40 videos, I don't know, something like that. And so like from my ones now to the beginning, um, I do a lot more camera angles, exactly what John's saying, because what you realize is that uh, you want to show part of the video, but it, you know, that same shot, it's just like after looking at, at a same camera angle, it just, you know, it loses your interest. Like you need that mm -hmm. visual appeal, like, right. Especially in the world of, of social media and cell phones and everybody is just, you know, your phone will pull your attention way faster. Like you'll hear a beep. Oh, like, cause you're, you're waiting to look for something you need change and you need to keep, keep the scenery fresh. And so when you go in, I do that exact thing, John, of, of wide, then tight, wide, then tight. Um, then sometimes I'll do a mid and then sometimes I'll, I'll move around and do a different angle, but always trying to mix that up. Um, so from a B roll perspective though, and we, we talked about B roll, um, you know, getting that, and I don't do a, a ton of it, but uh, when I was doing the documentary, I've been doing a, a whole lot of it, is that B-roll is just that supplementary uh, where it is not necessarily tied to the action of the shot. Uh, it just sets a mood or scenery or location. I know, um, and one of the one of the YouTubers that just, he has just blown up and he's just amazing is Peter McKinnon. Yeah. I think we've, we've talked about Peter McKinnon before. His channel is just amazing he does Incredible. he's a professional photographer videographer and um he has a great way of explaining things he does tutorials on uh premiere on just basic video shooting i would highly highly recommend um his channel as a as a place to start um he is going to be very high level though but it is it is great and he does really great b-roll um where you know he'll mix again you know mixing a really wide shot of the forest to a drone shot from overhead uh, to a tight shot, like John said, like the old gladiator, you know, like the, the tight shot of like the, the wheat, like flowing yes. in the wind <laughs> with like the bit, the bokeh, you know, just like sitting there, just narrowed in on like the, that one piece of wheat and you can like count I all the grains in wheat. it. And, yeah, and it's wheat. like, and it's slowed down, right? Like he's, he's slowing it down. So, um, you're getting that real, just creamy, buttery, smooth look to the film. So, you know, think about that in, you know, translating that back into the workshop. Uh, and I, and I don't do a good job of this. I would like to do more of it, but I, I really like John, what you've been incorporating some is like you said, like in between, you know, pushing that cart. Like if you're moving something across the shot, like a cool shot might be putting your, your camera down on the floor and just getting your feet walking across or, mm -hmm. you know, the lower half of yourself where you can see like the big the big four by four you're carrying across the shop, you know, just something that just is different, right? It's, it's not, it's just breaking up the monotony of the hand tool work of the, of the, um, uh, you know, the power tool work, whatever. And it's giving just a different angle and it's setting the stage. It's just kind of, it's, it's telling the story. That's what the B roll does. It kind of, it's like, you know, it's either setting, Hey, what's going on in the background, what's going on around the area that is not necessarily a direct part of the video production, you know, in final product. Yeah, and, and uh, you can backlog those too and use them for lots of different stuff. You know, there's only so many times you can run something through a table saw and get some cool angles on it. So B-roll is essentially, you know, what's not going into the main focus of the video. It's just small parts of it that are complementary um, and, so, and, and something to consider while shooting. The other part that Brad and I took forever to learn, both of us still are, is shoot short to edit short. And this is going to lead into post-production. Um, yes. You do not need to be taking four minute long clips of you running things through, um, through your, through your saw or whatever your process you're doing, unless it's a dynamic shot. Um, and, and you're 
doing it, shooting it to speed it up, which goes into your planning of the shot itself. Um, what that does is just make it extremely aggravating in post-production for you. Um, so think about this stuff while shooting, you know, okay, I only need a 10 second clip here or 12 second clip, 15, 30, 45, whatever it is, but try to keep the, the shots under 45 seconds. That way, when you get into editing, you're not going through hours of film, you're going through seconds of film in order to pull out the shot that you want. Um, what this also does, it gets you in the habit of moving the camera. If you're only shooting for 30, 45 seconds at a time, you're moving the camera between those shots. And then you have the opportunity to create those more dynamic angles and, um, get the more perspective and, and just more visual interest into your video. Um, so those the two little tips, I guess more than two, a couple little tips there on shooting and, and shooting is its own monster in itself. You know, there's a lot of people that have their own style and feel and flow. You know, uh, you got Kyle Toth taping, uh, GoPros to, GoPros to everywhere. And, and I mean, he's got a great visual interest in his videos, but not a lot of us are gonna be able to do that. You know, you got some other guys that just have uh, a steady cam and an, or an overhead and, and they're rocking and rolling, uh, their whole video. And it's still, it's still beautiful. So just get your own sense of your own style. Um, and those are things you'll learn more of the, of the shooting style and tips, um, for yourself as you continue to progress. The last part of what's going to go into your video introduction course from MFP or whatever we want to call this is post-production. We kind of talked about this in a few episodes now, I feel like Brad, um, at least when it comes to the software side of it. Um, yeah, this is the, I guess this is going to be like the 70, 70% of what's going on in a video production. Um, if you want to consider, you know, gears 10 production, pre-production is 10 and shooting 10, because this is going to eat up most of your time. It's, yeah, it's going to eat up most of your time. And it's the most important, right? I mean, no matter like no matter how good you've done before, if you don't execute here in post-production, it doesn't mean anything. Right. And it's also, you know, the easiest one to mess up. Um, yep. And I think just from like a starting point, just from a housekeeping perspective, uh, I think the mo- one of the most important things is as soon as you get your footage, make a backup because that's the worst thing ever when you drop clips. Not the worst thing ever, but it is like, you know, you, you drop clips. Either you accidentally delete it, you format your card and you forgot to pull off the footage. You're like, oh, did I just do that? I thought I had that. No, I didn't. So um, back up your, you know, get it off your camera, get it onto a drive. And if possible, get it onto a second drive. I know a lot of people that have multiple cards, uh, SD cards, and that when they shoot, they will pull that off, but then they will just set the card aside. And I've I've started doing that myself as well. So I have enough cards. I think I have three or four cards. And um, I will just shoot until it's full. I will pull it onto my computer. Then I will set that card aside, and I will not use it again until the project is done, just so I have you know that other copy. So at least I've got two copies. i got one on the computer and one on the card, and I'm not going to format that card until the video is is complete um so so that's what i'm going to say you know to start off with is like okay get your files in place get set get ready and then you can pull that in um you know the funny thing is though i know that i've heard of folks and and more so in the past um and i don't know if they even do a 1080p but like who will do complete edits on their phone complete edits like on an iphone or an ipod and ridiculous that absolutely blows my mind i know brian mccauley used to do that uh, uh and I just, I just don't even know how that would be possible i guess like with apple it's probably easier i'm thinking of android and android is just a nightmare like if you edited a whole video on android my gosh that would take you like 
three weeks. Um, so, you know, but pick your production software and, and John, you know, you're a Mac guy, right? And I'm a, I'm a windows guy. We've talked about this before, but, um, I think there's lots of good options and we've had, uh, you know, we've had discussion about that, but, you know, free options like iMovie on the Mac side or, or windows movie maker on the, the PC side, you do not have to spend a lot of money, but John and I both do use premiere pro in the Adobe suite. Uh, and hopefully, like I know this is coming out just after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, they actually did have a sale going on. So hopefully some of you guys got to take advantage of that where it was uh, 10 bucks off a month for the Adobe suite. And actually, I'm I, John is going to be super happy about this. I am going to be getting on CC, John, just for you. Yes! <laughs> yes! It's a huge win, guys. Huge win. Because uh, I've been rolling uh, an older version, CS6, and... I've, I've started to get limited by some of the things it does not have. So anyway, uh, you know, that's a, that, that post-production is you got to get that pick your video editing software, whatever it is, and then, you know, pull all your pull all your clips in and then you can then you can get going. Um, you know, like, John, what's your process? What do you find most efficient as far as putting in your clips? And like, how do you how do you get started when you go in and just start trying to digest? You drop in that five hours of footage and you're like. All right, let's go. So my process is one, everyone's process is constantly evolving. You know, um, for me, I dump, I do what Brad does. Similarly, I have probably six cards now because most of the time I'll forget cards all the time um, <laughs> and just go buy a new one if I'm like driving to a client's. But I will, uh, so I'll, I'll take my card and I'll dump it on my computer and then I have an external hard drive and I'll back up the folder I dumped it on onto the external. I then take all the footage for a video that I'm editing and I will dump it into Premiere and then I go through um, and this is this is all your personal workflow. I don't dump it into the video. I dump it into the uh, the I guess it's a, the import folder and then I scrub out of there. So what I'll do is I'll pull it up into another window, pull the clip I want out of it, drop that down into my video and I'll scrub everything first. And then I timeline it down to, um, if I'm speeding things up or slowing them down or if I'm adding any visual intro, blah, 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 whatever's going on. Um, and then from there I add, uh, I add my, I usually add music either then or after, um, but then I'll start chopping things down. And if I want certain edits to be at beats in the music, I know I'm using music, Brad doesn't, um, you know, that's, that's part of my workflow. But the, the one major thing you want to get into the habit of there is dumping your cards, um, consistently, like after almost after every single day, um, if you're shooting, get in the habit of doing that because you don't know what's going to happen to it. And it is, it does suck when you lose footage because you were just lazy. Um, and, and it's your fault. Uh, sometimes you'll run into it's not, but most of the time it's going to be your fault. <laughs> At least from, from, from our experience, you know, yes. you did something yeah. that it's you, were, you, you weren't you know, supposed you, to do and you hit, you hit that button. It's that it's, it's, it's immediate too. Most of the time, right. You hit the uh, button and you go, Oh, what oh, did yeah. I just do? Yeah. I've done it a couple of <laughs> times and it's, and it's, uh, it's something you get out of the way early and you learn not to do it again. But, yeah. Um, exactly. you know, for, for post-production there, you're going to look and you're going to look at the, I would say get two cards. They don't have to be huge. Um, a lot of people are shooting on in their garage or somewhere at their home. So once that card's full, you know, set it aside and then go and you can dump both of them and back them up. Like Brad said, if you don't have the ability to have multiple cards, um, and, and keep them without formatting them, uh, just make sure that you're, you're shooting short and you're not taking up a bunch of time. Uh, cause if you do lose footage, uh, you can make up for it in other ways, but it does make it tough. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is take the time 
invest the time into learning your post-production software. Um, a lot of us, you know, I sit here and I just guess at a lot of things and it does take up enormous amounts of my time. Um, if I'm just trying to do something and do it the way I know what's great with the Adobe suite is there's so much, so much information out there to learn um, that if you, like I was editing a video this morning, I wanted to do a certain text overlay with it looking like it was being written. It took me 30 seconds to Google it. And then another, it took me 15 minutes to get that process done, which would usually take me an hour trying to do it with the way I knew how to do it. Um, so, but take the time to learn, the programming. Um, and this will really, really help you down the line. You know, Brad and I have a couple, Peter McKinnon's great. He's, he's pretty new. Um, he's great, but you can go on shared sites, uh, for, for learning like Lisa, uh, not Lisa, Linda, excuse me. Um, Linda is a, a great one. And Lisa's a, Lisa's a bed, uh, Lisa's a mattress. So yes, which is also great. Um, yeah, <laughs> very free advertising great for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, Linda or, um, Skillshare, those sort of websites have great information on learning software, um, but it is something I do advocate to learn how to use. It will save you tons of time in the long run. Brad and I will constantly send each other videos or any type of instruction if we find something that thinks we can help each other in post-production because you can't make up those minutes. I'm telling you, like no. <laughs> they will and catch up to you quickly. And it adds up. And I, I think that the cool thing about that, and there's some great, like John mentioned, YouTube videos out there. Um, or YouTubers. And so, you know, just search and then go look, you know, see which ones resonate with you. But um, even for specific skill sets, what I've found is like, if I want to learn how to do something, I'll either Google it or I'll, I'll search it in YouTube. And it's, it's really odd because it seems like, you know, there's just some random guy who's got like 437 subscribers, but he made this one awesome video on how to do this one technique. And it's like yep. exactly what I needed. Um, you know, so go out there and, and search for that too. But absolutely about learning the software because that was one of the things when I first started uh, I was using you know like all the menu structure and all and so I was clicking on everything and pulling it down um, when I started learning the hotkeys and the shortcuts uh, yeah that saved so much time because when you talk about uh, so when you talk about you know doing like a delete so there's if you think about a timeline and I had a, a one minute clip of video and I wanted to cut it down and I wanted four seconds from the front and four seconds from the back. So you have to make, you know, a cut at four seconds in and a cut at four seconds left and then delete out the middle. Well, so something as simple as that, you might think, OK, uh, but, you know, if you're doing that with all the clicks, you know, you're you're having to click in the front, click in the back, click in the middle, hit delete, then drag it over. I mean, this is like what I was doing at the beginning, then like dragging it over or delete, you know, clicking in the middle of the dead space and deleting that. So even that, just this as an example, that little thing about if you delete the middle, then what happens is at least a space in the timeline, you can actually select the space in Premiere and delete that and it will pull the clips together. There's a shortcut key where you can basically ripple delete, which is it will delete that segment as well as pull the clip in. So like that eliminates one click. So it is twice as fast. You think like big deal, you like get a click. Yeah, big deal. But I am probably doing that hundreds of time during mm -hmm. a single video over the course of multiple. I mean, like, you know, just that little itty bitty thing there has probably saved me hours upon hours um, because those that's where it is in video production. Uh, post production is it's all the little things that add up. So one of the videos and I don't know who did it, but um, you can go search out, search for it is like, you know, ways to, to edit faster or something like that. And, you know, editing faster in Premiere is one of the things that I use that really changed the game for me is remapping the keys. So learning the shortcuts 
on the keyboard and then remapping them. So I have them all mapped um, for me where I keep my left hand on the keyboard and I keep my right hand on the mouse for the vast majority of my editing time and most of the stuff uh, and like just doing that. So again, not having to go over, like I, I can't remember what it was, like frame advance. Frame advance was like on the arrow keys. So I would take my hand off my mouse and move on the arrow keys and then put my hand back on my mouse. Again, it's those all those little itty bitty things you think like, ah, big deal. But when, you, when you're doing editing videos daily, weekly, monthly, like those little itty bitty things really, really add up. So um, highly, highly encourage you to, to really get good at it if you're going to start doing this um, in any type of frequency. Yeah. And all of that stuff is, is just going to be a learning curve too. So don't like, like we said before, don't get overwhelmed. Um, but there's a lot to learn in this aspect. And if you want to be good, you got to put the time in. I mean, it's, it's anything in life. If you want to be good at it, it takes time and you, you got to put your head to the grindstone and, and, and really focus on getting better at it. And you will. Um, I think the production value of both of our content has gra- greatly improved one since I went to next up two since we both got started. Um, and, and it's, oh, yeah. it, uh, that's part of the learning curve and that's been two years for both of us at least. Uh, and, and coming up in January here for me. So, uh, so yeah, I mean the, the whole process of giving in the video is, is, um, it's not easy. I will say that, you know, you think it's just, Oh, I'm gonna set up a camera and go through what I'm doing. And then you easily go down the rabbit hole <laughs> and realize, wow. Right. No wonder there's professional <laughs> photographers and videographers because this stuff is unbelievably time consuming um, as well as gaining a new knowledge base. Um, so that's why it's always super impressive to see someone who's really, really good at it doing a craft or a trade and then also putting out awesome production value because they're, they're two different monsters, man. And, and it, uh, it's always extremely impressive. But to get started, it's very simple, as we said before, and I, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll segue back here into a little bit of – and I guess not as much takeaways but like a, your roadmap – to getting started in video yeah. production, you know, um, starting out, we're going to recommend um, from from the beginning. Uh, consider your gear, whatever you're shooting on. Uh, if you want to upgrade to a DSLR, if you're already shooting on one, or if you're just using your cell phone, um, learning your learning your gear, uh, learning how to use your frame rate and how to use your, uh, your zoom if it's an option, as well as your resolution and getting all of the settings and making sure you're maximizing the capability of your gear is something that's going to increase your video quality um, immediately. You know, n- next step, uh, pre-production, you're going to you're going to want to take the time to set yourself up to win. Uh, we say this about almost everything we do here on MFP and it's because we're big, uh, big advocates for it. And what, what you want to do is set yourself up, uh, with an opportunity to go out there and crush it. Um, but that being <laughs> your production plan, um, type of shots you're doing, uh, what you're incorporating in your video, what you would like to see, uh, get a list together and, and check them off as you're going. If you, if you hit a certain point, um, and you have that list there and you miss something, you can go back before you're completely through that process and you can't really, um, reshoot it. Stuff like that really does help. Um, when it comes to your post-production next phase is going to be getting into shooting, um, learn your own workflow, come up with a style and then stick to it. It's, it's learn that style first before you start incorporating other things. It's something we didn't really touch on earlier, but I will say now is learn your own style and then start incorporating more of the, uh, dramatic and dynamic shots. Um, and that'll help you to get comfortable using the camera and being behind the camera and also shoot short to edit short. Uh, that's something that I can't stress enough. We both, you're going to learn if you get into video production. Oh, yeah. oh man, does it suck when you have to go through hours and hours and hours of film. Um, and then it also, man, does it make post-production difficult? Um, and, and then 
Post-production being the last part of our little journey here. And once you get into it, just take the time to learn your software. There's going to be a lot of tips, tricks, insights, um, educational information out there. But once you get the feel for it, you can really start to get a flow. And it takes a little bit of that stress and anxiety off of you, knowing that it only takes you two and a half hours to edit a typical five-minute video. You can knock out that two and a half hours um, and put it on your schedule and not just have to say – Tuesday is dedicated to editing <laughs> or a whole right. day. Uh, and, and it really does help you set up a plan to go and win down the line. Um, and that's and that's what we're trying to do for you here. Video production can be intimidating, and I think it is. It should be um, because it's not easy. But once you start to get into it and learning the basics and setting yourself up to win, it can be a great tool for your brand, for your business, for your future, for whatever you're trying to do. Um, we're big advocates of it, but it is something you want to tread Tread lightly to start uh, and don't, you know, don't just jump into it and get yourself extremely intimidated and overwhelmed and quit because it's very easy to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, John and I are super passionate about this. Like I'm looking back at all these tops and going, oh, man, like we didn't talk about and I, like I feel like we maybe should have broke this down. But <laughs> clearly we dove really deep on some stuff uh, and there's other things, you know, again, we, we could talk easily another hour on this. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have some follow up episodes. So let us know about this. You know, what are the pieces you want us you want to hear more about? We'd love to hear that, um, because, again, there is just so much here. Uh, but if you've listened this far and, and you know, you're, you're just a product guy again, I'm going to go back to what we've said many times before. Um, video production is not just for content creators. You can use this to sell your product. You can use it for content marketing. OK, so if you don't ever want to be on YouTube as a person that you know is, is is making weekly monthly youtube videos um think about how this works for your own business and how you can sell product and how you can differentiate yourself which again is is what's going to make you win and by getting a product walkthrough whatever so you know i i would say that everybody could benefit almost everybody um out there can benefit from from having video in their repertoire and you know, you don't need to spend a lot of money. You can start easy and then and then go from there and then, <clears throat> excuse me, come back and listen to some of these things that we talked about and more of the higher level stuff. But, uh, you know, just get started again. I think that's what we'd recommend is, is start where you are and then progress from there. I was going to say awesome, man. I mean, I, I'm, it's, it's exciting to see a lot of people asking us questions about stuff like this because we know how intimidating it can be. Um, we do. We do do a lot of Instagram reviews where we're like, hey, let's get some video on here. Like your stuff's doing great. But if you could add a little bit of video, man, could it take off? And even as Brad said, if you don't, don't ever want to be a content creator, if you're using your Instagram, which most of our patron, excuse me, most of our listeners are, um, that's somewhere you can really add value to your to your personal brand um, is by a little bit of video production. So good stuff, man. I'm pumped. I'm over here like no sweat per, <laughs> per usual but um I, I love this topic i think it's something that we're both super passionate about and if like brad said if you want to hear some more about it uh shoot us an email uh made for profit podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on instagram um we'd love to hear what parts of it you want us to dive deeper into absolutely all right well we are going to jump over now to our patron after show uh the patron crowd is growing strong is we are strong. we are almost at 100 patrons, and uh, we love it. We love talking to those folks, interacting with them. Uh, and so, again, if you would like to be a part of that, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit, and you will be able to enjoy the after show and all the other perks that are over there. 
All right, man. Good episode. I, I think we geeked out pretty well. Let's, uh, let's kick it to the after show. Yeah, dude, let's crush it. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode.